to me, my balloonyacs. Aeronaut Zack here with your friendly neighborhood content warning. That part was Spider-Man, not X-Men, but we're going with it. This is a podcast where we let the internet ask us questions, and that is always a mistake. So, we are sometimes uh, adult-themed adjacent, and we will say all of the naughty words. Now, on with the show. Hi everybody, I'm Tyler. And I'm Zach. We are Aeronauts and we're back with more word balloons. We've been flying high on our own hot air, but we've stopped our journey to Westchester to answer your nerdy questions. So with that in mind, Zach, what's our question this week? Who is the worst X-Men villain? Okay, first... 100% subjective. I was gonna say, some of these questions we get were, were kind of asked to, like, actually come up with real information. I do like those, because we, we you always end up like teaching us something extra that I didn't think we would end up learning. Fascinating I, stuff. I love these ones. The ones where we can just kind of pull the ripcord and see what happens are my favorites. So. Oh, these are great because I love to hear, because one, I find out the same fascinating <laughs> stuff that I didn't know before, but also there's no wrong answer. Okay. Who won? I've got a couple and I could have gone with really easy ones like he, uh, forearm. His ability is that he has four arms and Rob Liefeld made him up. Yep. He later created a female version of the character for Image named Foreplay. It's bad. I'm oh. sorry. I just learned about that recently. I had to mention it. It's not X-Men. It's bad. But I'm going to, at least for me, I'm trying to keep it to like, quote, big name, but not useless hench person number seven. I still can't tell you what Scalp Hunter's powers are. I've been reading about John Greycrow for years, but like. I have my pick and I only figured it out after looking at just like a list of villains <laughs> and remembering some stuff from not necessarily X-Men, but X-Men adjacent comics. And it's, uh, it's Sauron, I believe it's how it's pronounced. Sauron? Sauron? It's spelled exactly the same way it is in Lord of the Rings, and Carl Lycos is a big enough dweeb that I'm sure... It's Sauron. I'm sure it's... Well, he's he's a pterosaur, so it's a Sauron. Oh, it's Sauron, okay. And he soars on his wing. He's Sauron, the pterodactyl. It's not actually the pterodactyl man, but it's the pterodactyl man. Specifically because of the, like, one-page spread that... I don't even, I don't, I don't, I've never even read the book. I've just seen this page where Spider-Man's talking to him about how he could use this ability to cure cancer. And he says, I don't want to cure cancer. I just want to make dinosaurs or something along those yeah, lines. No, so that's, like, it's, um, it's from Spider-Man and the X-Men right after Jason Aaron lo- left Wolverine and the X-Men. It's a very, it's a pretty good run, actually. Sauron's abilities include, like, he absorbs mutant energy. So if he, like, touches Wolverine, he transforms into a pterodactyl man. The reason I have affection for him is because he's in one of the first X-Men comics I ever had where he had a bunch of laser guns too and it was wicked awesome to my seven-year-old brain. He is a bad character. You are not wrong. Yeah, no, he's a very bad character, but also a very fucking cool character, but a bad cool character, if that makes sense. Yeah. I guess I brought I brought two in an honorable mention. Okay, that's what I got, so. Uh, My honorable mention is an honorable mention because he was a villain for a very, very short amount of time. Uh, Beak. Beak falls under, like, forearm of, like, you just kind of suck, man. Yeah. um, His fighting skill was he had a baseball bat. Yes. We mentioned Beak in an earlier episode. He kind of just looks like a... A bird uh, person? Yeah. He doesn't even fly out of it. He's just kind of an ugly little bird dude. He can kind of fly, but extremely clumsily, and it's not enough to guarantee he'd not fall to his death. Are we talking kind of cool Eric Croco style D&D no. bird person or are we talking just like this is a human that it's a bird that is very unfortunately looking Take a vulture chick mix it with a human and give him a little tuft of hair on the top. 
Bummer. That's got to be a hard look to pull off. He doesn't. Yeah. No. It's part of his plot line that he's an ugly little bird dude, but he's an ugly little bird dude. And also, his grandson is actually kind of a badass looking bird dude. But Yeah, it takes a couple generations to work out the kinks. Yeah, sure. His his daughter takes after uh, his wife and has uh, insect powers. She's also called Angel, but just, never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Then I guess my, I don't know, these two just, these three, t- I guess, technically. Just ones that don't work for you? Just always seem kind of... So Fenris, like the, uh, Von Strucker's the Nazi kids. twins? Yeah, the Nazi twins. First off, because they're Nazi twins. Second off, because in order for their power to work, they have to hold hands. And they're always wearing bondage gear. Ooh, who created this character? This is a. Uh, these are some problematic notes we have on this character. Probably Fabian Nicesa, because that would have been the right era, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. I don't um, like Later it at on, all. Andrea Strucker is killed and. Her brother solves the problem if I won't be able to use my mutant powers anymore. Uh, he was disguising himself as the swordsman at the time by cutting off some of her skin and wrapping his sword handle in around it so he could transfer his powers through. It, it was too bad because the, like, who is the swordsman mystery in New Thunderbolts was sweet. And then we found out it was creepy, probably incestuous Nazi twin. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that, come on. Okay. Actually, that... Fenris is probably in my number one now, and I'll have to <laughs> take it a step down with my second. <laughs> the concept of taking, like, like having, needing... To touch needing, another... Like... Uh, yes, and then them dying, and then taking their skin and putting it into a weapon. That is ultra dark, a very cool That concept. should be in Spawn. That like, should be in something yeah. way cooler than that. But then the fact that it's an incestuous Nazi... Possibly. Possibly, po- possibly incestuous Nazi uh, siblings? They're fucking. Let's just admit it. Those, If anyone is... No, if anyone is, it's Fenris. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned them because they are awful. You might win. You definitely have, uh, you have <laughs> well, my take so far. Like I said, I think we just... like Now I feel like I'm going to go a step down even mentioning my other <laughs> one. But my other one is uh, Crimson Commando. Because his power is to be Captain America. Yeah, but kind of racist? But kind of racist. And working with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? Like, literally, his mutant power is that all his his physical abilities are enhanced to the peak of human potential, but not any of them to superhuman amounts, which is the exact same way that the super soldier serum is usually described. So he's he's a mutant who is just like the strongest, weakest mutant? Yeah, he's if Captain America was a mutant and kind of racist. Yeah, if Captain America didn't get his powers from Drugs. a serum, but instead from just being a mutant. Yeah, I, I get the, the, the honorable mention or putting him on the list and that that's bad. Yeah, just lazy and he sucks. He, uh, oh, and, I mean, and like kind of funny, like, where's actually. His, I'm going to look up his intro cover, too because it's terrible. He kind of falls <laughs> under that same thing I was talking about with like forearm and stuff of he's never a major villain in his own right. He's kind of comically pitiful if you ask yes. me. Yes. In that like he's a mutant who is he's the weakest mutant but he's the strongest man. That is an interesting design. Okay. So wow. I yeah, it's pretty much a red bodysuit and a silver belt. Very much reminds me of Dead Man, but without the deep V-neck. Yeah. I have two honorable mentions. One, and neither one may, I'll tell why. Uh, The first one is the Shadow King, because no Shadow King story has ever worked for me. His name is Ahmed Farouk. He is a psionic monster being. He... 
takes people over and he looks creepy. He's, I'm going to seize control. I'm going to take over the telepathic plane. I'm going to, I don't know. He's uh, the big scary bad, but they never really do anything that interesting with him. Kind of hard to do that with a non-corporeal... It, it just doesn't really... Psionic entity? Yeah. It doesn't... Eh. He's important to several stories, which is why he only gets an honorable mention, but... Eh. Um, another one is the character The Executioner. Okay, yep. X apostrophe Executioner. <laughs> I assume. Real name, Carl so Denton, who is an FBI agent whose mentor was killed by mutants. His mentor was also a big ally of... Professor X, and was in X-Men First Class. Oh. Not important a member of, but he's in a, he's the, like, uh, government liaison yeah, with okay. Xavier. So he oh, takes... Oh! Yeah, I love that guy. So the, the Carl takes all of the gear of, like, stolen alien tech that the FBI has recovered over the years and becomes a vigilante known as the Executioner. The reason he doesn't make the list is because, honestly, he looks pretty metal. And even though he kind of sucks, like, I like his idea. He also later reveals to the Punisher that the Punisher was a major inspiration for him, and I went, oh, no. Oh, that's bad. But he looks pretty metal, so... Like a very badass deathstroke. Take a moment and Google the Executioner. It's worth your time just for the imagery. Reminds me of Deathstroke, but, like, if the Deathstroke were, like, more medieval and more of a uh, Iron Maiden cover... I was thinking if Deathstroke was designed by Boone and Tobias for Mortal Kombat. Yeah, that also, also with works. more lasers. Um, but <laughs> my two real ones, one is admittedly mostly just to annoy you, Stephen, because it's Mojo. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> I hate Mojo so much. He's a big, fat, alien, yellow guy who has spider legs and, like, weird mechanical things forcing his eyes to be open at all times. And he runs an evil alternate universe of reality television. So yes, that's why you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) One, the design is so grotesque and so amazingly gross and I love it. Two, he gave us X-Babies. And Longshot. And Longshot. And I forgot but uh, his name, but Longshot's son slash father? Um... Oh, Shatter uh, Shatterstar. Star. Shatterstar. And, okay, and this is why he's still kind of an honorable mention, because a lot of good things around Mojo. Maybe we can agree on Mojo 2, who was a clone of Mojo, who was a ripped dude with a long white beard. Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's great, but not, not as good as Mojo. <laughs> I meant that he's awful. Uh, Mojo oh. 2 is... It, oh, it okay. takes the fun parts out of Mojo, and I don't like the fun parts of Mojo, so... Okay, Mojo so then we can probably is, agree yeah. on Mojo 2, then. But my real answer is the Sugar Man. Oh, I almost picked Sugar Man, but... Sugar um... Man comes from the Age of Apocalypse. Oh, He is no. pretty much Pac-Man on, like, angry Rob Liefeld steroids. He is the apprentice of Mr. Sinister in the Age of Apocalypse universe, so he's a gifted geneticist. He's also super gross, is always drooling, he's like a big head with four tiny little arms attached and legs... And gnashy, pointy teeth. He's a less interesting Modoc. I was about to say, he's like if Modoc had a kid with Pac-Man and it came out looking slightly like the And Goro like from the Mortal thing. Kombat, if we're going to keep talking yeah. about. He is... <sighs> Modoc works because people have leaned into the, like, absurdity that is Modoc. Sugar Man is just weird and gross and everyone's scared of him and no one should be. I mean, I'm a little scared of him because he's fucking weird and gross. And I just, yeah. I don't and they tried so hard to make him the next Mr. Sinister. And everyone was like, do we really? And the Sugar Man? 
Nah, also, that was never going to happen. It's never really been explained why his name is the Sugar Man. I don't know. Because he likes sweets. Oh. You're fired. No, you <laughs> okay, don't. Please I'll, end the podcast. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll go. So uh, I think it's Fenris followed by Sugar Man <laughs> being the real answer to this question. Fenris is... Oh. I didn't... I knew Fenris was bad, but the moment I had to explain them in like two sentences, I was just, oh my god. Like I said, I had, <laughs> I had Crimson Commando over Fenris until we actually had to explain Fenris out loud. Yeah, Fenris is very bad once you actually look at it on its face. In order to keep our journey going, we're going to have to continue to align our balloons computers to some of the X-Mines around Westchester. Luckily, Zach is stuffed to the brim with knowledge about some of these characters that we're going to be talking about. Anytime he misses, though, we'll have to be made up for at the end of the season. So, Zach, today, what knowledge can you drop on Megan? Megan! I don't have the same excitement that I had for Guido last time, but <laughs> Megan is from one of my favorite X-Men runs, which is Excalibur, which is a wildly underrated X-Men run. Megan was originally, I believe, a mutant from a group called the Warpies, who were mutants that were tweaked, altered by alternate reality energy or something like that. It was from Captain Britain. It was weird. Is her mutant ability to be my sister's best friend in middle school? Is <laughs> it's that... spelled M-E-G-G-A-N, so probably not. Pro okay. Also, Sorry. her story is super problematic at first, but later pretty rockin'. She was raised, she looked like a monster when she was first born, kind of this bat-wolf Girl, it's mm -hmm. mostly wolf girl, but kind of batty. Kind of like the Jersey Devil, if you look up the descriptions of that, which is awesome, by the way. It's awesome. But she was she wasn't quite horsey enough. That's fair. But she was raised in complete isolation outside of television to the point that she couldn't even really read or write. Ooh, that's bad. Um, so all of her world experience was from uh, sitcoms, like sixties to eighties sitcoms in particular, because that's oh. the era. She came out in. She was eventually rescued by Captain Britain, where she comes to live in his mansion, and she develops an infatuation with him, but thinks that, oh, because I'm ugly, I don't stand a chance. Also, she was a teenager, but, you know, it was the early 80s. At the end of that run, she is able to gain control of her powers, and it's revealed that she's actually super duper hot. So she can fly, and she kind of looks like a fairy princess, and has a few other basic powers, and her appearance is altered by the perception of the people around her, to the point that it is sometimes hard to be around her, because it is hard to tell what is her, and what is just her feeding off the people around her. That's actually interesting. It's really interesting. She joins the team Excalibur with Captain Britain. She's really excited. He's going through a drunk mess phase because he thinks that his sister Psylocke had just died. He really treats her like crap. During this time, there is a implied romance or beginnings of a love triangle between her and Nightcrawler as well as her and Captain Britain. That falls through. It was always really awkward, yada, yada, yada. She ends up marrying Captain Britain after a whole, like... 100-issue run where both of them stopped sucking so hard. I mean, she was always kind of cool, but, like, Captain Britain was going through an angry drunk phase at the beginning of that series. Uh, she appears off and on, admittedly more often than not used as a prop for Captain Britain, but has recently become the queen of Otherworld, I think. So basically the queen of the fairies. Yeah. Megan! So the thing I was going to bring up... Uh, that you kind of went over that's kind of partially problematic about her beginning. She's a traveler. It's heavily implied she's Romani. Oh. Yeah, so I'm not sure. what It's British Romanichals, also known as the Travelers. Mm-hmm. Or 
other terms that you hear that we constantly will not be using. In, in Snatch. And the whole... I kind of like... Her powers are fucking kind of crazy cool. Like, she was a little wolf girl because she was cold. So she turned into something that could deal with the cold. Yeah. Fuck, that's cool. Yeah, no, she's awesome. Just her early origins are super problematic, and it took a minute to... Figure out how to make it not problematic? Yeah. Well, I'm glad they got there. Here's a... So, the way her powers are written up on Wikipedia, because it just sounds really cool when you lay no, it please. out. Uh, Megan is a powerful superhuman, an empathetic metamorph, or elemental megamorph, with the apparent ability to assume virtually any superhuman power in existence at will. Her abilities include empathy, an elemental link to nature and mystical energies, and shape-shifting. Her empathy enables... Her her to sense the emotions and feelings of living creatures and from people to human to plants, including the ability to psionically perceive an object's or person's psychic, natural, or mystical energy aura. And her everything fucking changes from all that shit. She's taking it in all the time. I'm not going to continue reading it because it's like four other She fucking... also becomes a hell lord. Like yes. we know. <laughs> it's fucking insane. Like, it's four more fucking... Five more paragraphs, six more paragraphs, but it's all like her just being like, oh, cool, all this shit's around me, and all of it's just gonna change. I'm like the ultimate mirror, but also a sweet, fucking crazy, powerful sorceress who's descended from fairies as well as being a mutant. That's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, that that's a very fucking cool character. Anyway, you hit enough. I don't think that's a redemption, right? No, I... I, and you covered anything he would have to redeem because she it was, was so small. created by Jamie Delano and Alan Davis. I forgot that part. Uh, not created by Jamie Delano. Oh. Alan Moore? Yes. Oh, okay. Delano did stuff with her for really. Yeah, like, I, think, <laughs> I think Alan Moore created her, and then that was it. Like, ah, okay. Maybe more than that, but... Either right, we got it. We mm-hmm. do. <laughs> Anyway, that's it for today, folks. We're taking off. Before we go, we'd like to remind you to hit subscribe and check out all of our sister shows over at earvrm.com. It's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Other ways to get in touch with and follow us will be in the show notes. And as always, we'd like to give a special thanks to our editor, Stephen Gady, and to Ian Ford for our theme song, Tracks. Until next time, I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. Up, up, and away. Up, up, and away.